Oh, hello. Welcome to Trained Body and Mind, a podcast exploring the cutting edge of holistic fitness. I'm your host, Jacqueline Beyer. Each episode, I connect with the world's leading experts and athletes to talk about mindset, movement, nutrition, recovery, and sleep. What we like to call the five facets of fitness. Today, I'm talking with one of the most influential players in the NBA, both on and off the court. Just instilling that self-confidence to the younger generation and understanding that, you know, you got to be able to look yourself in the mirror and be confident with yourself. Can't nobody else tell you nothing other than what you believe in. As long as you believe you're great at life, you're a good person, you work hard, that's the only thing that matters. Can't nobody else tell you differently. That's Chicago Bulls guard forward DeMar DeRozan, a five-time NBA All-Star and an Olympic gold medalist. He's been celebrated for his power plays throughout his nine seasons with Toronto, three in San Antonio, and now his first in the Windy City. But DeMar has been in the spotlight for the moves he's making beyond basketball, too. In February 2018, he revealed he was dealing with depression on Twitter, making him one of the first athletes to publicly open up about mental health. It was a watershed moment for DeMar. His post sparked a larger, encouraging conversation about mental health, and he made fans, athletes, and the NBA itself rethink the stigma around it. DeMars also persevered through his father's death last year. He shook off doubters who said he was past his prime, then went on to become the first player in NBA history to sink game-winning buzzer beaters two nights in a row. And he became the first Bulls player to be named an all-star team starter since 2017. DeMar is determined to show the next generation that trusting yourself and believing in your strength and talents is everything. And he's got a reminder tattooed on his shoulder. Okay, so DeMar, first of all, I got to throw up my V. Fellow Trojan here. Okay, all right. I think we were there during the same time. I did a master's program there from 2007 to 2009. Yeah, I was there. Okay. But I am embarrassed to say that I did not go to any basketball games during no, that's, my time. No, as long as you went there, that's all that matters. <laughs> I did. So speaking of basketball, you have accomplished some things, Damar. A couple of gold medals, NBA All-Star titles, some records. But people are saying that your biggest accomplishment in the NBA to date didn't happen while you were playing. Rather, it's your contribution to bringing the mental health conversation to the forefront. Would you agree with that? Most Definitely. To this day, I still can't find the words of the gratitude I have towards that. Me just expressing something I was going through selfishly in the moment and realizing how much it impacted humans of all walks, young, old, athletes, entertainers, whoever it was. It brought a different type of awareness to myself as well and gave me a different type of confidence, stance, and really opened up my eyes to understanding that It's a lot that goes on in this world that's so easy to suppress. It brought a different type of joy that I never would have expected. That's really cool to hear you put it that way. For those who don't already know your story, can you share what you tweeted about your mental health in 2018? I tweeted, this depression is getting the best of me. And it was. It was just one of those those nights where, you know, I just felt like everything was on my shoulders, on my back. Felt like I was just being suffocated. Thing was like my breaking point. Yeah. You know, I lashed out. Usually anybody know me, know, you know, I'm the most quiet, chillest person in the world. 
So for me to go to Twitter and put something out there in the moment, I didn't think nothing of it. You know, I was just expressing how I felt. I didn't know the next morning there'd be a whole whirlwind of things that I had to deal with from there. So you hadn't been planning on no. making the statement on Twitter. It was more no. of just like a buildup of emotion. And you yeah. were just like, this is my outlet right now. I'm going to share it here. That's exactly what it was. Like I said, just my breaking point. Yeah. Just, you know, when you sit in your room and you just scream as loud as you can, I just took it to Twitter. <laughs> you know, it's not always the best place to go. But in this instance, it was because it helped me open up and be vulnerable and want to share and realize me sharing things opened up a whole different dynamic of inspiration, motivation, drive, confidence within myself and within a community of people. You posted about depression specifically. Can you share what you were feeling in the days, the hours, the minutes leading up to that night? Suffocated, aggression, frustration, darkness, doubt, all sorts of emotions kind of bundled in one that mm. brings that confusion and lost feeling in a moment that I had, you know, where you can't think straight, you don't know what's going on, you don't care about anything. Did any of that change? Did you get any instant relief or anything like that once you did post that? I mean, yeah. And even looking back on that after I did it, you realize how much stuff we do to suppress how we feel in the moment. You know, I never tweet nothing, especially like that. And once I did it, it was kind of that relief to where now I now I can go to sleep, not realizing what I'm going to wake up to. <laughs> yeah. What did you wake up to? <laughs> It was crazy because when I tweeted, it was All-Star Weekend in L.A., and I was a starter on the All-Star team, so it was a hectic week for me. And I've never been a guy who looked and searched for attention. So everything was just so overwhelming that weekend, and it was late at night, and you know my phone wouldn't stop ringing, uh, people asking for something, bombarding you with their problems with this, that, and the third. It was kind of like walking through a crowd of people, and everybody poking at you, yelling at you, asking for some type of overwhelming that I felt. So I woke up the next day having to do media, regardless, because it was All-Star Weekend before our practice, and I had to do media. And now I'm scrambling, trying to figure out what's about to be asked. It was crazy. Did you have any expectations about how the media or the league were going to respond to that? I didn't. I, I honestly didn't, <laughs> because... That next morning when I woke up, before I even picked up my phone, it was like, all right, now it's a new day. What I felt hours ago, I swept this issue back under the rug. Now I'm about to go about my next day and suppress whatever the day has to bring for me. You know, it's kind of that, that continuous cycle that we kind of all go through when you have problems. You kind of put it on the backside and be like, you deal with it later, you deal with it later. Or forget it, forget about it. Yeah. And that was kind of one of those moments until I picked up my phone, until you go on social media, until you get to the gym, until you get in front of media. And then you start to feel like, okay, now take a second. Like now, how am I about to approach this thing? And I think from there, it gave me the confidence just to say, you know what, forget it. Yes, this is why I said this. And you kind of break it down from there. But in my mind, I'm just speaking upon myself of just me. Like, look, I don't care no more. This is why I feel this way. And it kind of lifted 
a weight off my shoulder in a sense to where you take one weight off. Now, okay, this this feels good. I'm being vulnerable. Okay, this feels good. Now your shoulders get a little bit lighter and you start to learn a lot about yourself. Everything else starts to fall in place when you just allow yourself to be vulnerable. But with that, still having a confidence within yourself with being okay with being vulnerable. And I think that's what that showed me in that moment. Did anybody know that you were suffering, your teammates, your family? No, no. And, you know, a lot of close people took it a certain type of way because they could have blamed themselves by not, you know, seeing it. You know, that's just the type of person I am, you know, in a sense. And sometimes that's not the healthy way, you know, but that's my biggest thing. I don't want nobody to have to worry and feel like somebody looking over their shoulders like, oh, is is tomorrow okay? I'm fine. You know, let's let's enjoy whatever is going on in this moment. And I didn't know how to communicate. You know, I'm still working at communicating my feelings, but it started with breaking that ice couple years ago to make it easy to be like, you know, it's easier for me to explain something now than before when I wouldn't say nothing where nobody even knew something was going on. What about the haters? We all got to hear some really obnoxious reactions to Naomi and Simone when they pulled out of competition this past year to protect their mental health. Did you have anyone giving you a hard time for coming forward with how you were feeling? Um, no. I think for me, I looked at myself in the mirror and understood. <laughs> I grew up in Compton, California. I've made it through the most difficult of days, of nights, of situations. I've lost some of the closest people in my life. You know, and when you weigh that with somebody's kind of dumbed down perspective on a person's feelings, it's irrelevant to me. It just shows you the insecurity that someone else really have within themselves that they haven't unlocked or figured out that they have for them to bash anybody who have any type of issues, no matter what, you know, and I was always taught growing up from my grandmother, from all the older people in my life growing up was, you know, the saying, if you don't have nothing good to say to somebody, don't say it at all. And I just learned a valuable lesson of treat everyone the same with respect. As long as you give people respect, you will get the same back in return. And I've seen that growing up my whole entire life. Some of the greatest advice I ever got from people was guys in my neighborhood that was homeless. They pulled me and a group of my cousins and friends to the side at least two, three times a week and give us some great story. And we used to wonder like, yo, he knows something we don't know. That's such a great lesson. I think we could all be more open-minded. For sure. Less of the people hiding behind the internet and talking trash. Your tweet definitely went viral. I think it's safe to say that. It didn't fade away in the 24-hour news cycle. You became an inspiration. Other athletes started to voice their struggles. Kevin Love credits you with giving him the courage to step forward and share his story. How did that feel for you, knowing that you made such an impact on athletes, their ability to seek help, their ability to talk openly about their mental health? My rookie year coming into the NBA, my one goal was to always have respect for my peers. I didn't care about media. I didn't care about fans. I always told myself, if I work my butt off and my peers respect me, that's the ultimate thing you have in our league is being respected by your peers, basketball-wise. So when I did that on a personal level, and you start to see these athletes come out, it's the greatest gratitude you can receive from someone That's your peer, you know, because we compete against each other. We always try to find a mental edge on how to beat 
the person in front of you, the team in front of you. And sometimes you could cloud your vision and understanding that this is you you looking at. <laughs> he plays the same sport as you. But that's you as well. So when I took it to that level and you start to see guys step up, I never once wanted to take the credit because those stories motivate me even more when I hear guys speak on what they're going through because I look back at them like, God damn, you're a hell of an athlete as well. You're a hell of a, a son. You're a hell of a father and all this. And you going through that, you know, it, it brings even more of a respect level. So when guys started doing that, it was the most flattering thing I, I could see. And I was happy because people need to hear these stories because if it's motivating to me, it's motivating to an 11-year-old in the middle of Wisconsin somewhere that's looking up to us as athletes. Did it bring you closer to any of your teammates or any of your opponents or people that you played against? Yeah, a lot of people, just people in general that just know me, you know, and mm-hmm. people that I'm close to. It was easier for me to want to give advice, ask what's going on, and talk about what's going on with me. And especially being around me, a lot of people always come to me and ask me, how how you do this? I kind of give them whatever, if it's an analogy, a metaphor, or something to help them throughout a situation they may be going through that they could apply in their life. And that's what it's about. That's such a gift that you're able to give. Transitioning a little, I want to talk about what some say is a gender gap in mental health. Now, historically, as a culture, we've created this narrative where men are supposed to be bigger, stronger, tougher, especially athletes. Do you think it's harder for men to talk about these issues than it is for women? You know, like you said, I started to look at it differently. You know, how me having daughters it becomes a sensitive thing because the one thing that matters at the end of the day, we all human beings, whether you're a man, woman, whether you're a woman, man, whether you play sports, don't play sports, we're human beings at the end of the day. And we should be treated as such. And that's the only thing that matters. It should never be about man should be this. No, (laughs) we came in this world as human. We're going to leave out this world as human. So we all should treat each other as that. Before you spoke out, had the league ever addressed mental health? Lightly. I mean, it was never nothing that was a priority to talk about everything else. You know, how to work hard, media training, how to talk to media, nutrition start to come in later, weight training, all these other things. But mental health was never a discussion at all. So to see it grow, especially since I came in the lead and having young guys that's probably in high school and college now really be in place to understand what mental health is, it's, it's a beautiful thing. But growing up, it was never a conversation. And we got to be sensitive and understand that because it's a cruel world we already live in. I can't imagine growing up in a social media era where you have so many people behind pages bashing people. You know, and I, mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of people now to where first thing they pick up their phone and say, man, who is this saying this about me? They don't know me, Robert. Yeah. Now you're putting off an emotion already towards something that shouldn't even matter because you're trying to wonder why they saying these bad things, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, and for me, it's even more of a sensitive thing for mental health now because that's the world now is social media. Okay, so you're a father to two daughters. You have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. And you also happen to have this huge platform on social media, which is not always the healthiest place for anyone, especially children. What can parents do to help prepare their kids for this world of social media that they're going to grow up in? I think it starts with the parents are just giving that ultimate confidence 
that self-reinsurance, that is a necessity to be validated in this world. You know, you could be smart, you could be beautiful, you could be all these things. You believe it first, especially coming from your, your parents. Because I always look back at how I grew up. If I didn't have that to lean on, I think I would fall victim to a lot of things as well. But for me, it was like, you know, I made it out of here. I came from the toughest place. Just instilling that self-confidence to the younger generation and understanding that, you know, you got to be able to look yourself in the mirror and be confident with yourself. Can't nobody else tell you nothing other than what you believe in. As long as you believe you're great at life, you're a good person, you work hard. That's the only thing that matters. Can't nobody else tell you differently. And it's crazy. Um, I have a tattoo on me. And you have a tattoo, Demar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a few, but one of my one of my favorite tattoos, um, I don't think I never even spoke on this, but one of my tattoos say, You are nobody, you don't matter at all. And I got that tatted because I grew up hearing that from teachers, people around. Like you hear so much to where, you know, you damn near believe it. Like, you know, it was nice me being a kid thinking like, maybe I am a nobody. So you build up this self-frustration, this self-aggression. And at a young age, I used to get into a lot of fights in elementary school. I got kicked out of elementary school at a young age. But it was that insecurity that was instilled in me by hearing these things from teachers, from people older than me, so now you got to build up a confidence of something you can lean on, which was me being aggressive to where now I want to get in a fight. Now my parents wonder why I'm getting in trouble at school is because I'm hearing these negative things that I'm starting to believe. And growing up in Compton, you going home after school, you don't have what maybe everybody else have at school. It could be the most smallest things. Or I got these new shoes and I got this. You kind of go back home and... I don't have this or this. And it it builds up that insecurity that you carry. And it's either one or two ways. You shy away from it or you figure out something to be aggressive about and take it out on people. And for me, I had to start channeling that energy towards something else, which was sports. You wonder why a lot of kids in urban communities lean towards sports because that's where we find a lot of confidence within ourselves. It could channel that aggressive energy of the negative things that we constantly hear, constantly go through, and channel it to sports and put your all into it, your emotions, your frustrations, your everything into that. Where is that tattoo? Do you see it often and think about it? It's on the back of my arm. It's just one of those tattoos that just stick with me because I, I just I always remember it. Every single day I tell my kids how, how beautiful, how great how they can do any and everything. Can't nobody tell you differently every day. Even if they don't understand it now, yeah. later in life when they're doing something, they, you know, and that's what it's about. I have one three-year-old boy and I take him to school every morning and on the way to school, we have like a little affirmation, like a 30-second routine. And God, You have to. He repeats it. I'm like, my name is Fox. I'm smart, strong, brave, and I can do anything. Yep. And it's so cute. And I'm like, I know you don't get it, but you'll get it, hopefully. You get it. And that's the only thing that matters because it's going to be a time where them words will will resonate mm-hmm. and then it hit. Next thing you know, he's going to do something and run tell mommy, like, mommy, I did this. Yeah. It's because you said it to him, you know, and that's the beauty of it. I hope so. 
your newest tattoo, is that right? Is it the portrait of your dad? Yeah, my dad. I was so sorry to hear of his passing last February. That must have been really hard. I read the Undefeated article that was published mm-hmm. in November. And at the end of it, it, it mentioned that you said that you hadn't dealt with his death, that it hadn't really hit you yet. How has that affected your mental health journey? I know you guys were really close. Um, I, I don't, like, honestly, I wish I had an answer for you. I really don't know because my dad was, <laughs> my dad was my superhero. Like, he was the only person I ever was terrified of. And I mean that in the best way possible. My dad was everything to me. My dad took me to the park on the weekends. Everything I could do with a father, I did with my dad. And in the moment, you don't you don't really appreciate it till it's gone. But I always told him I was gonna take care of you, and my mom. I was gonna do this. I had all these aspirations as a young kid. And my only goal was to make him proud. So that's what I carry every day that keeps me strong. And, you know, I still listen to old voicemails of him. Um, you know, I look at pictures of him. You know, the reason why I got the tattoo on him because I always want him to feel like he's right there next to me. Mm-hmm. This is me dealing with him, making sure I have him with me still. <laughs> you know, whether I can't physically see him and talk to him, I know he's right there. And I know the moments of him seeing me be successful in this game, you know, and everything I told him I was going to do, I did it. Yeah. You know, my daughters, they, you know, love him to death. And it's crazy when they talk about him and that's what makes me happy, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so maybe that's just me dealing with it. Yeah. I mean, you do it in your own way, I think. Yeah. And it takes time, especially with the people closest to you. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Was it hard to choose the photo? No, nah, as soon as I was going through pictures... Well, my mom, I didn't even tell my mom I, I was getting it, but mm-hmm. I wanted to surprise her. But I was going through pictures, and um, the one I got on my shoulder it just stuck out, and it was so perfect because I had tattoos everywhere, but that one spot, and I, I just I had to get it. That's some prime real estate there. Yeah, yeah. He on my shoulder, so it's like he's always in my ear. So I, I know if something go wrong, I know he right there. When we come back from the break, DeMar tells us how he learned to stop bringing his emotions home from games, what he thinks about his fellow athletes sharing their stories and passions, and why he's not locking in weekend plans just yet. So right now, would you say that you're more focused on advancing your career as an athlete as long as you can? Are you trying to help the next generation with mental health, with being able to combine mental health and physical health so that they can excel in ways that your generation hasn't necessarily had the opportunity to until now? Definitely trying to combine it. I think this season has been a prime example for me. You know, I tell a lot of guys, they kind of count you out. They kind of put doubt on you. They put this whole narrative on you in a negative light to where it's easy to deter you to fall victim to that. And for me, I refocus and put myself in a different mental state on approaching my next couple of years in this lead to where we don't have to follow that narrative that the media put out there on you. As long as you trust yourself, you put the discipline and the belief you have within yourself 
to go out there and and play at the highest level you could play because you love this game, you got to show that so you could change that narrative and not fall victim to the narrative. And in the midst of doing that, reinventing yourself in a sense of speaking on the topics you want to. Us as players need to understand like we more than just players. We don't need to go about it in a rebel type of way, but just understand when we get on these platforms, find something you could be great at to to use this platform because we only could play for so long. But setting up something to be the spark for the next generation to be great, to continue to build something for us to have, whatever it may be. You know, there's so many intelligent guys in this league that can inspire so many people. No matter how much you try to do, it's, it's going to be tough to change. It's a revolving door. So many players that came in, it's going to be so many players that go out. But while we in it, establish something that'll be long-lasting like this league. But mm-hmm. do it within, from your own pyramid of things, whatever it is you want to do, and create your own following and and build off that. For me, it's being an inspiration when it comes to this mental health thing, kind of establishing that, learning, growing with that, because that's going to go much further than me playing sports. Also, performing at a high level still, no matter how old you get. That was my approach. I'm not just going to fall victim. Yeah, I'm getting old, a new team. It's easy just to ride through. But it's like, no, let's try to take it to another level with everything that you believe in. And show it with the play on the court. And with that, doing everything off the court that you believe in as well. And take that to the next step as well. And granted, you want to do that until you walk away from this game and continue on with everything else that you're building while you're playing and just keep it going. I mean, a lot of your identity, I'm sure, is wrapped up in being a basketball player, but are you planning for your career as an athlete to eventually come to an end? Yeah, I think it's, for me, I'm one of those guys that it it happens in a moment. I'm not a planner. I give an example. Like, if today is Monday, I hate planning for me to do something Friday because between Monday and Friday, something great that I wasn't expecting could transpire. <laughs> Okay, so you're you're saying you tentatively accept all your invitations. Yes. Okay. Yes. You know what I mean? And that's how I am because I feel like if I just lock in Friday, I'm shortchanging myself what could happen oh Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, that's true. I love that. Yeah. That's been my whole approach on life because all the greatest things that ever came my way and happened in my life has happened unplanned. You know, you always have a goal, but in between that, you know, something transpire that clicks and brings something even greater. That's just me. You know, it's not for everybody. You know, I know some people yeah. that's close to me that's great planners and plan to the T and it works out. Well, you have so much planned for you. Like, right. Right. you know, yeah. I'm sure that there's probably some freedom in just kind of letting it ride. But yeah. are you punctual? Do you show up to these plans on time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm always on time. Okay, I respect that. And you know what else I respect is that you are being credited with almost single-handedly changing the multi-billion dollar business that is the NBA. What are some of the changes that you've seen in the past few years that make you really happy? Uh, One, just the accessibility of help. Whatever help that is to whoever is comfortable and taking it. And I think that was my big thing. You can't just sit a person in front of a player and say, oh, this is a therapist, talk to him. 
it got to be something that's relatable to players. Everyone is different. Mm-hmm. Everyone is different. You got to have those moments to allow us as athletes to be human, to break ourselves down, understand what we need, what we don't need, and how we need to receive it to get the best out of us. And I feel like that's more at the highest it's ever been accommodated for players. And one, you know, you see other players get more motivated on even talking about their story, sharing stories. You even have more guys even speaking out now. Like, I love when I see all these guys having podcasts. Now we have this ability to hear these players talk. So when we hear their story, how they was brought up from their perspective, not reading about it, not seeing the headline, not hearing about it, but from actual players, that's therapeutic for us so much that people don't even realize, you know, and that's a start. Well, that's why I'm so grateful to be a part of this podcast because at Nike, we work on a ton of cool things. But like we said earlier, there's so much focus on social media, especially for younger generations and trying to capture their attention. So we do a lot for social. And those stories are so short. It's like, what's the most we can say in 15 seconds? But this is the one platform at Nike that allows athletes to come on and talk for 45 minutes to an hour and just share their story. And I think that that's really cool. Yeah. What's working for you these days? What makes you feel your best? (sighs) <sighs> what makes me feel my best? Um, kids. Like, it's so many angles of things that, you know, I try every single day. Sometimes I just take two, three hours to myself and just find something funny to watch, find something enlightening to read or whatever it is. For me, I know I'm real big for things off-season. I always try to go somewhere random where I've never been. Like, I've been to Montana. I've been to Wyoming. I've been to Vail, Colorado. And just stay in the nature. I go out in nature mm-hmm. and just soak it in. A different scenery I've never seen, don't know what to expect. You know, it's hard to get that new feeling yeah. of something. That's my rush to where, you know, you get out and you go fly fishing. You mm-hmm. go kayaking. You're doing random things you never expected to do. And it, it fulfills you in a different way. Take family and just go enjoy it with them. Because it's new for them as well. So, you know, we all learn and experience whatever this feeling is together. And for me, that's real beneficial because, you know, the older you get, it's hard to it's hard to find that feeling when you see something new. We get so content with taking the same drive to work, watching the same show. It's easy to get caught up in those things and the excitement or that fulfillment isn't there all the time. So you got to get out your comfort zone and do something new. So for me, that's something that helps me a ton. When did you start doing a little golfing? Golfing. There you go. See? Golfing. Um, I do my research tomorrow. A couple (laughs) of years ago, I think when I was in San Antonio, I started taking lessons. Obviously, one of my best friends, Cal Lari, he played golf. And for years, he used to try to get me in into golfing. I was just young. I mean, I'm not golfing. I ain't got time to go golf. Like, it's a boring sport. You know, I tried it. I got addicted to it. And I stuck with it. And it becomes a relaxing, challenging sport. And you competing against yourself to try to get this little ball in this hole 400 yards away. It becomes a challenge that's fulfilling, especially in the off season. So that was another thing that I got into for sure. What about a lot of the go-to stuff that people suggest for optimal mental health? Breathing, meditation, journaling, things like that. Do you prescribe to any of that stuff? Um, yeah. I'm not fully big on it. 
yet, but it's like I definitely tried yoga a few times. Definitely challenging and it works. It's relaxing and everything. So well, I think the longer you are, too, the harder it is to get. Yeah, into it's definitely, it's yogis. definitely. I respect everybody who do I, yogis. That's what they yep. go. I respect yep. all the yogis, but like I say, nothing is off the table for me. So, what are the things about basketball specifically that make you feel really mentally good? Um, one, the work you put in, the love, the appreciation, the passion, the knowledge that I have for the game makes it feel good. Being etched in any type of history in this game makes me feel good. And the challenge of not being able to play this game forever <laughs> makes me feel good because you only get so long. So you want to try to leave whatever lasting part of yourself etched in this game. Those are the things that, that make me feel good. What about what you've learned on the court? How has that manifested in positive ways off the court? Communication, especially of late, my last couple of years, camaraderie, how to bond a group together, how to make that group successful, how to care for every single one of those people in your group as a leader, as a, you know, sometimes as a follower, as a listener. Sports kind of bring you together in a different type of way that we really don't understand we could utilize in our everyday life. Mm-hmm. And I think unlocking that for me has definitely helped me just how to deal with your circle outside of sports. It kind of made me better and, and, and more understanding and more of a listener. You could be your best player on your team on the court, but sometimes off the court, you got to understand, like, you can't be the best player. You got to listen sometimes and learn, and that's one thing I definitely did. Would you say that everything about basketball is positive and contributes to your optimal mental health, or are there components to the sport that make you feel mentally bad in some ways? Not now. Early on in my career, I I carried over my bad games off the court. You know, I was like, I lost, I played bad, I don't want to talk to nobody, leave me alone. You know, you you take that attitude from the game off the court. You let it sit with you sometimes all day, all night, to the next day, till you have another game and play well. I did that a lot early on. And now I've learned to be more balanced and even kill when it comes to that. Because just like with any job, you can't take what happened at the workplace home because that could be detrimental to yourself and to your home. What about the fame, the success, the money, the media that comes along with doing what you do at your level? I never cared about it. For me, I was humble before I even had all that because I know what it's like to have friends that had nothing. I know what it was like to have nothing. I dealt with losing people at a young age to where I learned not to take nothing for granted. My childhood until I was 18, 19 years old, that was my reality that I thought was such a norm to where now when you get in front of the spotlight, you start to see things being more fake. This is not reality. I would never get caught up in the money, the cars, the clothes, the fame. It's not reality. It's the Truman Show. Oh my gosh, Damar, my parents live in the town that the Truman Show is filmed really? in. Yeah, <laughs> it's wild. So you do still talk to the media, you talk to reporters, you've done a podcast or two, which I appreciate you. 
You were featured in Oprah and Prince Harry's docuseries, The Me You Can't See. That was so good, by the way. But it was so intense. Yeah. I think I watched Kevin Hart's YouTube series, Cold as Balls, the episode yeah. that you were on yeah, after that, because yeah. I was like, I need a little bit oh, yeah, of a laugh a little- before I go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you have a new YouTube channel, and your web series, Compton Summer, released that earlier this December. What are you trying to share with people in that series? Uh, me. I never show anything I do in the off-season. I rarely even show anything to do with me personally. For me, just to show a different side of myself, just as a human, just how I go about things, how I am outside the court, my preparation, what I do when I go work out. It's another form of people watching and getting a different type of insight on you instead of just seeing you play on TV when you got on your team jersey. Mm -hmm. showing just another side of myself. And it took a lot out of me to even want to do it. You know, I I filmed it and I've been holding on to it for a while because I'm I'm, I'm always big on trying to protect my personal energy. You know, you never want to let everybody in because everybody won't appreciate it. That was one thing I I struggled with for a long time until I got to a point to where it don't matter who don't appreciate it. It matter who do appreciate it and will find... Whatever motivation, laughter, different insight on me, that's who it's for, you know, and that's why I just put it out. I'm going to be putting it out all season. I got a bunch of stuff that never been seen me on the court, off the court, laughing high and with my best friends and cousins and my kids. So some new. Just before we wrap up, any advice you have that you'd like to share with anybody listening who might be struggling with their mental health? <sighs> Self-love. Self-care, self-awareness is the biggest thing and only thing that matters when it comes to yourself. Surround yourself with people who genuinely love and care for you and got your back, right or wrong. Understanding that nothing could get past you because you look yourself in the mirror and gave yourself everything that's needed from you before trying to accept it from anybody else. For me, that's the biggest thing. And with that, the confidence come, everything else will roll into place. And understand that it's okay to be vulnerable. Sometimes you got to find a shoulder to lean on and break down, whatever it is at times. That part too. It's not always sunshine outside, but know when the rainy days come, have somebody that, that'll stand under that umbrella with you or even stand in the rain with you because when the sun comes back out, it'll be that much more worth it and and you will smile a lot harder after that. So for me, it's just loving and caring for yourself. That's awesome. Okay. Lastly, you, Drake, Will Ferrell, (laughs) when will we see you three together again? (laughs) I haven't thought about that. That'll be great for us to do another skit. That's crazy you say that. I watched that sketch from the 2017 NBA Awards a couple times. It was so funny. Drake and (laughs) Will was really like going off each other. (laughs) Like, the chemistry, the I was trying not to laugh the whole time, you know what I mean? But it definitely was fun. It definitely would be dope to do something again with both of them. Damar, thank you. Thank Feeling you. really lucky to have had the opportunity to talk with you. Such an important topic. Keep doing you, keep changing the game, and hopefully we can talk again soon. Thank you. Appreciate you. One of the things that sticks with me after talking to Damar is that he legit isn't falling victim to the narrative about seasoned players. He's owning it. 
When he put on that bull's uniform, he could have treated it like business as usual. Instead, at this stage in his career, DeMar is killing it in Chicago. He won't have it any other way. There was a recent game at the United Center where DeMar had an off night at the free throw line. After it, the arena staff were disassembling the floor to switch it over to a hockey rink for the Blackhawks. And there's a video of DeMar out there practicing free throws as the hardwood is being pulled up around him. DeMar isn't falling victim to any narrative. You can be a fierce athlete and be vulnerable enough to talk about your depression. You can be an all-star basketball player who loves golf and steps out of his comfort zone with yoga. You can rise to any level and be anybody you want to be, no matter if you've been told you're a nobody. I'm betting we're going to be hearing a lot more about DeMar's crazy impressive feats on the hard court and beyond. He may be in his 13th season of the NBA, but he's just getting started. On the next episode, I'll be talking with physical therapist Dr. Anne Webwebo about the pelvic floor and what all of us, men, women, pregnant and postpartum alike, can do to strengthen weak muscles for stronger performance. If you've enjoyed this episode of Trained, help us spread the word by rating and reviewing the podcast. That way we can keep making great episodes for you to listen to. And it helps other people find us too. If you've got a question for me or my guests or a topic you'd like to see covered, email me at trained at nike.com and I'll see what I can do. Thanks for listening to Trained. Just a reminder, always talk with your doctor before starting any training or nutrition program. The information we provide isn't a substitute for any medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. And the individual opinions expressed here are just that, opinions.